Okay, stand with me for the reading of the word. We're going to be, uh, again, looking at the harpazo, the rapture. This is part two, what is the rapture? And we're going to be in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, 13 through 18. The word of our Lord. But I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep, lest your sorrow as others who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain <clears throat> until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore comfort one another with these words. Heavenly Father, we come, Lord God, and we come humbly, Lord God. We bow, Lord God, before you, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Our God, our Messiah, our Savior, the God who died for us on the cross to redeem us and save us from our sins and from hell and have brought us to eternal life, fellowship with the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. God, we bow before you today. We pray that you would open up our hearts, open up our minds. Lord, give us eyes to see and ears to hear that your word will sink into our heart of hearts, and Lord God will be productive in producing, Lord, 30, 60, 100 times what you sow in us today. Let us come to you, Lord God, in humility. Let us come to you in faith. And Lord God, let us come to you, believing that you have a very empowering word for us this day. And in Jesus' name, we pray this, amen. So uh, if you look, again, I'll just give you a, just a quick review of why, again, we emphasize the harpazo. The word um, caught up is the word harpazo. That is the word that was used by the Apostle Paul, inspired by the Holy Spirit, when he wrote the book of 1 Thessalonians. In uh, about 338, Jerome was um, basically hired by the Bishop of Rome at the time, the Pope, to translate the Bible into Latin. We have what is called the Latin Vulgate. And he translated the word harpazo, rapio. And that is where, again, we get the word rapture. The more, again, correct translation, okay, uh, of it into English would, would, would be, again, using the word harpazio. It is the great, you know, harpazio. Now, uh, I'll give you, again, just a quick overview of what we have been covering and what we are covering. What is the rapture? And again, we're going to be looking into that today. Who will be raptured? Will children of unbelievers be raptured? When will it happen? What will happen to those who are left behind? We're going to actually dig into that next week. What will believers experience when they are taken away to heaven? Will non-believers still have time to repent and be saved? Those are some of the key things, and there's probably others that we'll be covering. Now, I wanted to show you, I'm going to show you just a quick video. There's some great stuff that's out there, and uh, I'm just going to give you a little glimpse here of a picture. Of here are 10 rapture videos that caught on camera. The rapture Number one, Everybody listen the up. school bus. You need to get in your seats right now. Hey, you kids, step forward, please. Facing forward, thank you. That's what I like. Oh. Oh. Everybody, hang on. 
Okay. Kids. Kids. Number two, mountain bikers. Hey, we'll stop right up here. All right, sounds good. Whoa. Jeremy? Jeremy! 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 Number three, airport terminal. Number four, restaurant. Number five, church service. Let us ask God to show us the way. Teach us his paths. Guide us in his truth and teach us, for he is our God. Our hope is in God, always and forever. As we wrap up, I'd like to ask that we all stand for one last song. Here are 10 rapture videos that caught on. The people watching it on Zoom are left. Not to offend those of you who are watching on Zoom today, but, um, and by the way, the, the elderly who watch us on Zoom, the ill who watch us on Zoom, God bless you all, we're praying for you. But those who are able-bodied are not here today. You know what I'm going to start doing? When those people call me to do their funeral or the funeral of loved ones, we're going to do Zoom funerals. The guys in the sound room, can, Justin, can we do that? Can we just get like a big screen and put it by the gravesite and I'll do a Zoom funeral from home? Or we'll do Zoom weddings or Zoom dedications. The Zoom church or the internet church of Europe that began about 20 years ago, is totally dead today. And the Zoom church in America is soon to be there. So uh, don't be a Zoom Christian. Be a real Christian. Be involved in the body of Christ. Get rooted in a church. If it's not this church, find one that you get rooted into. Become part of the body of Christ and serve God and worship God and get to know people and help people and love people and care for people. That's authentic Christianity. So I just thought I'd end. There's five other videos. I'll show you them in upcoming weeks. Okay, let's, we'll, we'll dig into this. First thing, 
from 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13. Don't be ignorant, okay? It says, uh, but I do not want you to be ignorant. Brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep, bless your sorrow as others who have no hope. You've heard the, the word that ignorance is, right? It's not, right? I ignorance is, tra is tragedy. They say what you don't know, what you don't know will hurt you. What you don't know can eternally hurt you. So those are, those are false, false sayings. We are not to be ignorant. And notice here, he says, but I do not want you to be ignorant brethren. He's talking about Christians, right? He's not talking about the unbelievers. The unbelievers, people outside the church, they don't have a clue. But he's saying to the people who are believers in the body of Christ, in the ecclesia, in the church, he goes, I don't want you, brethren, to be ignorant. And what he's talking about here, essentially, if you look, it's about death. That's his main word here. Don't be ignorant about death. And he's talking about the resurrection and the harpazo, okay? The resurrection and the harpazo. Because if you're ignorant, it's going to lead you to sorrow and hopelessness. Have you ever been to a funeral of unbelievers? So I grew up in an Italian Catholic family, nominal Catholics. Very few of them ever went to church. And, um, you know, they baptize the kid when the kid is, you know, born and they make the kid go for their communion and confirmation. Most of the time the parents never went. My parents didn't go. And, um, but I had a grandfather, a little Italian man. His name was Frank. I was named after him. And, you know, when I went out and spent time in Staten Island with him, I go there for the summers, spend two or three weeks, always took me to church on, uh, on Saturday night. Little, little, it was this little Italian church, this little place in uh, Staten Island. It was this little wooden chapel, like half the size of this. And, um, you know, I never, I never saw my grandpa, I never saw him in a bad way. He was always peaceful. I saw my grandmother in a bad way. <laughs> and I saw her kids in a bad way, his kids. But he was like this peaceful man. And uh, just a kind of very loving, uh, gentle man. He was an electrician. And um, when he died, I was a kid. I was 12 years old. That was my first experience of death. Now, my father and my mother went out. This funeral, they started, the, they started the wake on Monday, and it went until Friday. The burial was on Friday. And uh, my father uh, brought my brother and sister and I out a few days later. It was probably in the middle of the week, Wednesday, when we got there. And uh, my father brings me into the funeral parlor, and in the front of the funeral parlor is my grandmother, and she's screaming and crying. And her daughter's and my uncles, and everybody's in black. Everybody's, I mean, this is just, this is, I mean, it's a little scary. I'm 12 years old. And my father, I said, I, I, see, I see the casket. The casket's open, and um, I ain't going up there. And my father said, you're going up. Go up, go up and greet your mother. Go up and greet your grandma. I'm not going up there. My father made me go up. And uh, he actually walked behind me, uh, getting me up there. 
And then when they saw me, my grandmother, because my name again was Frank, and she starts screaming out my name. Now, I'll tell you, I'm terrified. I'm, I'm shaking. I'm going to wet my pants. And, uh, and my father kind of shoves me over to my, to my grandmother, little Italian grandmother. You know, they're about as tall as they are wide. My grandmother, in fact, I was a bodybuilder. My grandmother had bigger arms than I ever had. I used to do that all the time with her. And uh, she grabs me, pulls me into her bosom. She's screaming and crying. I'm smothering. I'm like, ah, okay, get me out of here. I finally broke loose from her and ran into the back. I stayed there for the next few days. At the cemetery, you had people trying to jump into the coffin, right? Or into the, I mean, the crazy stuff, into the hole in the ground. Just, just total despair, total horror, total terror. That was my experience, first experience, of death of unbelievers. I believe my grandfather's with the Lord. But none of them had that hope. All they had was sorrow. I became a Christian at 23 years old. I gave my heart to Jesus, started attending a Bible-believing church like this. And one of the leaders in the church died. Left his wife, uh, two teenage kids. I went to the funeral. Those people were sorrowful because their father, their husband, was separated from them for a time. But they had joy that their father was in heaven. The wife had joy that her husband was in heaven. There was joy at that funeral. There wasn't that hopelessness and there wasn't that morbid sorrow that I experienced at my grandfather's funeral. They were at loss because they were separated for a time in this life from the father and from the husband that they loved. But they had hope that he was with Jesus in glory in heaven. That is what Paul is talking about here. To not understand that, to be in ignorance, leads to hopelessness and leads to sorrow. So this is Paul's segue as he introduces the harpazo and the resurrection. And he says, now let me enlighten you. Let me illuminate you. Now, let me say one more thing here. I have found that the, uh, the, the resurrection and the harpazo are two areas, and I began to see this very early on as, as I began to, uh, to preach and teach as I was traveling around in different churches, that a whole lot of Christians are ignorant about this stuff. And that really kind of surprised me. So, let's dig in. First thing, you have the resurrection. It begins with the re resurrection. The bodies of all those who have died in Christ up to the time of the Harpazo, okay, they, they die, they're in the ground, they've been lost at sea, whatever, they've been cremated. Those bodies are going to be resurrected. Their souls are with Jesus, and their bodies will be united to their souls. So if you look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, 14 through 16, for if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. 
For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep, who are dead. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet of God, and the dead will rise first. So, okay, one thing, verse 14, he says, for if we believe that Jesus died and rose again. That's the foundation. By the way, that's the foundation of our Christian faith. If you do not believe that Jesus died and rose again, okay, you're not a Christian. And if you do not believe that Jesus died and rose again, uh, again, you're going to be in place. What did Paul say in 1 Corinthians chapter 15? Then your faith is hopeless. It's futile. He goes, you should be pitied more than all men, right? Pity the fool. <laughs> Who... Um, you know, again, if, if, if this is not true, it, it is the resurrection of Jesus is the evidence, it's the proof, okay, of who Jesus is, of what Jesus said, and of what Jesus did. And if Jesus did not rise from the dead, then what the heck are we doing here? Because, listen, if he didn't rise from the dead, I ain't here because I can go be doing a whole lot of better things than I'm doing right now. If he didn't rise from the dead. And we're just living. Right? We're just living for today. We're just living for the moment because you know what? When we die, it, it, it's all over. Go for the gusto. Make the most of it. Right? Eat. Right? Eat, drink, and be merry because tomorrow we die. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, that's the foundation. Then, for the Lord will descend from heaven. The great descent. He coming down. <laughs> the Lord is coming down for us. He coming down for all the believers. Just the way he went up, he's coming down. Look at Acts chapter 1 verse 9 through 11 at the ascension. For when he had spoken these things, while they watched, he was taken up. And a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly towards heaven, as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, who also said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing up into heaven? The same Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will so come in like manner as you saw him go into heaven. He ascended into heaven in the clouds. He will come and return the same way, the ascent, right? The descent. And it's important to understand something here. Let me just tell you, God just gave me a word while I'm talking. There are some of you who are unsaved. There are some of you who will not be raptured. There are some of you who right now here are on your way to hell. God just gave me that word. I hope you're listening, whoever you are, okay? Because today could be the day of your salvation. This is your chance to receive the forgiveness of all your sins and receive the gift of eternal life. I just want to say that. God just spoke, he just spoke to my heart and put that on my heart. Right in the middle of, of, of when I, and you don't see me do this a lot, right? Okay. Just something here to be clear of. And uh, if you look, the rapture and the second coming, okay, or the rapture and the glorious appearing are two completely different things. The uh, rapture of the church, okay, where Jesus comes back for his bride, I believe occurs at the beginning of what is called the, the, the seven-year tribulation. The glorious appearing of the second coming of Christ happens at the end of the tribulation. They are two different things. 
What we just read in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, 13 through 18 is speaking again of the harpazo, of the rapture. What you have with the second coming, let me show you just in, from Revelation chapter 19, 11 through 19, uh, 16. This is the second coming, and you see they are completely different events. So it says, For I saw heaven open to behold a white horse, and he who sat on him was called faithful and true, and in righteousness he judges and makes war. This is the Lord coming back to make war. He is coming back with the harpazo to take his bride to himself. His eyes were like a flame of fire, and his head were many crowns. He had a name written that no one knew except himself, and he was clothed in a robe dipped in blood. He comes to make war, and his name is called the Word of God. And the armies in heaven, now watch this, the armies in heaven clothed in fine linen, white and clean, followed him on white horses. Who day? Yeah, I want you to say, well, the angels, but I want you to notice that they are essentially are clean, which means at some point they were dirty. And the angels in heaven, right, have never been dirty. So that's key. That's us. You know what? Like Eli, um, Eli, Eli Mazzuli, um, he would say, I'm getting a horse. You know, you're all going to get a horse. <laughs> we're all going to have a horse that we're going to come back with. People say, are there animals in heaven? Well, there are horses in heaven. So it goes on, now out of his mouth goes a sharp sword that with it he should strike the nations and he himself will rule them with a rod of iron. He himself treads the winepress of the fierceness of his wrath. Again, he comes in wrath of Almighty God and he has on his robe and, uh, and on his thigh a name, King of Kings, Lord of Lords. So that is, that is the glorious appearing. Okay, the harpazo of the church, again, is something completely different. We are looking at the harpazo of the church, not the glorious appearing. Then it goes on and it says, even so God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. Who are those who sleep in Jesus? Every believer since Pentecost, Pentecost is the birthday of the church, right up until the harpazo, every believer who has died goes to be with the Lord. Their soul goes to be with their Lord. They are conscious. They are aware. And they have been given some type of soulish body, but not a resurrected body as of yet. So Paul will be there. The apostles will be there. Mary will be there. Mary Magdalene will be there. Mary and Martha will be there. All of the saints for the last time from, again, Pentecost until the rapture will be there. And they're coming back with him. They're descending with him. Verse 16. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel. Michael the archangel, this word here, shout, the kalusma, it is a, a loud command that echoes through the heavens. And it's a word that speaks about, it stimulates, it excites, it energizes. And it summons all of the heavenly hosts, all of heaven's citizens now, to return. And then it tells us, and with the trumpet of God, with the shofar of God, whenever the shofar, whenever the shofar, whenever the shofar, 
I just have a little shofar. I had a big one, it'd be louder. When the shofar is blown, and it's blown in the scriptures for two things. It is blown for war, and it is blown for celebration. It would be blown at the feast for the celebration of the Passover, or of the Day of Atonement, or the Feast of First Fruits, right? The Feast of Pentecost, and it would be blown. So here, when the trumpet is blown, what is it being blown for? It's not for war. It's a celebration. Hey, we are all going to be with the Lord to celebrate with Him for an eternity. So it's, it's a, a great, a great horn blast of celebration. Then, right, Michael shouts, the trumpet is blown, then the dead in Christ will rise. Every believer who has died, from Pentecost to the Harpazo, their souls are with the Lord, but now their bodies will rise. Those who are buried, those who are in the sea, those who have been cremated, people say, well, if somebody's cremated, how is God going to be able to find the body? You know, your DNA is all over the place on this earth. You probably left it all over this church today. Every time you touch something, God's got, God's got, the, right, he, he's got the formula there. So everybody's body. And so a key thing here, what is death? Death in the Bible is separation. Death is, is separation. Physical death is separation of the body from the soul. That is what physical death is. When a person dies, okay, there is a separation that occurs between their physical body and their soul. The physical, the physical body, right, will degenerate. The soul, depending if they are a believer or not a believer, the soul of a believer goes to be with the Lord. The soul of an unbeliever, it goes to hell. The soul of the believer goes to be with Jesus in heaven and essentially awaits for the resurrection. Now, spiritual death. What is spiritual death? Spiritual death is separation. Spiritual death is separation of man from God. That is spiritual death. A believer will never experience a spiritual death. The person who has, who has resisted God's grace, God's love, God's calling, and I truly believe God, some theologians used to call him, he is the, the hound of heaven. God pursues people. He's pursuing you right now. He pursues you. He calls you. He will use all sorts of things. He will use pain. He will use suffering. He will use the good times. He will use people. I mean, he'll use movies. He'll use whatever to bring you to himself. He doesn't want you to perish. He doesn't want you to experience spiritual death because spiritual death is eternal separation from God. It's a terrible thing. It's a horrible thing. It's described as eternal darkness. It's described as fire. I mean, is there anything more painful as a human being in the physical body that we can experience than being burned? 9-11, the people in the World Trade Center would jump from 80 stories. They would jump to their deaths from 800 feet to escape the fire and the heat that was encroaching on them. 
So hell is described as, as eternal fire. Hades, the lake of fire, a place of gnashing of teeth. It's, it, it's terrible. It's horrible. How horrible is it? You want to show you how horrible it is? It's this horrible that God would come down to the earth and become a man and die on that cross and hang there six hours with nails in his hands and in his feet, bleeding, dying, and taking all of our sin upon himself. And Jesus in the flesh would be separated from his Father in that eternal moment. That's how terrible hell is. That God would do that, that I mean, extraordinary thing. You got somebody who you love in your life, right? You love them. And if you knew that they were going to die, right, you'd be willing to, to give your life, right? You'd be willing to give your, your flesh and blood to keep them from death because you love them so much. That's how much God loves us, that he would go to that cross to keep us from that horrible, from that terrible place. That is spiritual death. Believers will not experience spiritual death. Their soul goes to be with the Lord. Our bodies degenerate down here until the resurrection. When the resurrection happens, look at 1 John chapter 3, verse 2. Beloved, now we are children of God, and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be, but we know that when he is revealed, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. We shall have bodies like Jesus, right? Again, we're not going to be gods. <laughs> we will have these glorious resurrected bodies like Jesus. Michael shouts, the trumpet blows, the dead in Christ descend, and suddenly they are given a new suit. They're given a new body. Could you imagine what that's going to be like? If we're in heaven with the Lord, right, and we got this soulish body, and all of a sudden it's time, right? It's time. Michael shouts, hey, get ready to go. <laughs> Trumpet sounds. We're descending with Jesus. And all of a sudden our bodies rise, and they are glorious, incorruptible, immortal. No more pain. No more sorrow, no more aches, no more viruses, no more flus, no more colds. And all of a sudden, that, that glorified body right, is united with us. So just, just think about that. I was thinking about that this week. Right, all of a sudden, you know, you know how men are when they get a new suit? You know when you get a new suit, you go into the wedding and you get a new suit? Or you're in a part, a wedding party, you get a new tux, you get a tux, right? You're like, we're not as bad as the women. The women, the women are like, how do I look? How do I look, right? I got daughters, I got granddaughters, I got a wife. My wife comes from, how do, I, how do I look, honey? How do I look? I get a new suit. I'm like, right, I'm not, you know, it looks good in the mirror. I'm not going around asking people how I look.
You look marvelous, darling. <laughs> you look fantastic, fantastico. Resurrection. That's resurrection. The resurrection happens. It's the same event, but they are two different things. The resurrection is different than the harpazo. The harpazo, verse 17 through 18, then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and thus we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. The resurrection, right, happens first. The dead in Christ rise, their souls are united to their bodies. The harpazo, the rapture of the church, again, it's again the same event, but it's, it's something different. It is an entire generation of people, believers, who will never die. And when the harpazo happens, they will be given glorified bodies instantaneously. So I know we're walking through the earth. This thing is, right, this thing is wearing out. I said this last week, right? From 25 years old on, we start losing cells. We're all terminal. This will be a generation that is not terminal. Instantaneously, they will be given glorified bodies like Jesus. And they will meet him in the air. Right here, here it is, right? Bang! The harpazo. All believers on earth who are alive will be, in fact, snatched out, right? It's this, this word quickly, kind of almost carries with it almost like a, a sense of violence. It's going to be bang! All of a sudden, they're caught up. And they meet the Lord in the air. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 51 through 52. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye. Right? That's a, that's a millisecond. At the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. And instantaneously, there we are with glorified bodies in the presence of Jesus. And we meet the Lord in the clouds. Every person who has ever been saved. Every person who received God's love. Received his grace. Received his forgiveness. Admitted that they're a sinner. Because that's the only way you can do that. If you won't admit your sin, you can't be saved. You have to admit that you're a sinner. You have to admit that you've fallen short of the glory of God. And that you need forgiveness and that you need a Savior. You have to give up your self-righteousness. And you have to receive God's righteousness through Jesus Christ. Hell will be filled with self-righteous people. Heaven will be filled with God-righteous people that again have received the righteousness of Jesus. And all those people, those who have been resurrected, those who have been harpazoed, raptured, will meet those. Isn't that a great picture? I love that picture, right? When you really focus on Jesus, if you know Jesus, if you really know him, not know about him, if you really know Jesus, 
You know what he's done for you. You know what he suffered for you. You know how much he loves you. And you just think about him. That's, that's what happens, right? That's, that's, I see people when they, work, when, when they all of a sudden focus on the Jesus that loves them with such an incredible love. Loves them in, in spite of all their sins, in spite of all their ugliness, in spite of all... That person who's come to understand, and it's just, you know, you're just there like this, right? You're just looking, looking at him. That's, that's really, that's true worship. Your scripture talks about to worship the Lord is to behold the Lord. Behold, bless ye the Lord, right? Behold the Lord. When you behold it, you know, we think, we think worship is, you know, worship is, I mean, gymnastics, religious gymnastics, it's, it's sitting, it's standing, I mean, it's dancing, it's clapping your hands, it's raising your hand. We have our, we have our brand here. You go from church to church, they have their different brands, right? Sit, stand, kneel, sit, stand, kneel, sit, stand, kneel. What, what, the true worship, though, it, no matter what church you're in, you could be in the high church, the low church, you could be in the charismatic church, Pentecostal churches. True worship is to behold the Lord. True worship is to just behold Jesus. And your, your heart is just filled with, with, with awe. It's filled with love. And you could, you could be going through all the motions here, all the gymnastics, and walk out of here and have no experience of Jesus. But it's to behold the Lord. I think that's a great picture of what the harpazo will be like. All of the believers, right, since Pentecost, the resurrected, the harpazoed, all just around Jesus in the clouds, and it's just like, just worshiping him. Behold. Wow. Wow, 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 right? I don't know about you. I don't know what, 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 what wows you. He notes. Everything we do as human beings is to escape pain and get pleasure. I don't know if you ever stop and think about that. Everything we do as human beings is to escape pain and get pleasure. You may be thinking this through right now and you say, well, that's not quite true. Well, let me say it is true. But each and every one of us, we have different associations that we make with pain and pleasure. There are things, there are things that I do all week long that many of you would equate with pain that I equate with pleasure. Just the harder I train, right? Right? You, you just, when you go in the gym and you do your bodybuilding workout, you love it, right? Yeah, man, you just love it. You, in fact, you gotta, you gotta be careful because, right, like me, I'll just, I'll overtrain. I just love to train. Right? Yeah, I just, I, I, man, if I could, I train 10 hours a day. I just love it. I love pushing really hard. You know, some of you sitting there going, even sometimes when I, I, I mean, I could be on a track, I could be gagging, and I'm enjoying it. I know that. So there's just different, and, and I know there are some of you here, what you equate with pleasure, I equate with pain. You know, I look at people with, you know, with alcohol abuse and drug abuse, I mean, just some of, the, some of the things that people engage in, you know, just gluttony. I, I just equate that with pain. Some people, that's, you know, that's pleasure to them. 
Everything we do is to escape pain to gain pleasure. The harpazo really is the ultimate pleasure. It's the ultimate pleasure for a believer. It's, it's the beginning of, of everlasting eternal joy, of eternal peace, of never-ending happiness. Right? It's, it's, it's the end of, you know, just tribulation and suffering and pain. It's, it is the ultimate pleasure. To be left behind is the ultimate pain. It's really the ultimate pain of human experience on earth. I'll say this to you. It is not hell, but it is very close to a hell on earth. When you understand when the harpazo happens of what the rest of the world is left with, you don't want to be here. You know, you're, you're hearing, you know, you see wars right now. I mean, there's, there's, there's concern right now in America that we could be heading to a nuclear war. Most of you don't even have a clue what's going on right now in the Middle East. It's just escalating and escalating and escalating. It's not about Israel. It's about the United States. Well, we went through COVID, and that was a really, you know, bad time. We had loved ones who died, and we see, we see just, you know, terrible things happening. But it, it can't even compare what will be happening after the harpazo. Massive, massive tribulation, massive pain. You don't, you don't want to be here. And that, that, that brings me to my you know, conclusion. It is a choice. You, you have a choice. Right now where you're sitting, today you have a choice. You know, why, why did I start to bring these messages to the church? I was, I was actually planning to start a series, which I will in the next, uh, in the next few weeks, on First and Second Peter. But why did I bring the rapture? Because I'm, I'm looking at the world right now, and I'm, you know, not just the world, I'm hearing from the church that there is an expectation that something really big is about to happen. And believers are saying it. And unbelievers are saying it. So I'm just kind of, I, I'm, I'm tuning in to what I'm hearing from, you know, the world. And I'm tuning in to what I'm hearing from the bride of Christ and what I'm hearing from the Holy Spirit. And the Lord just put it on my heart to bring this series on the rapture, the harpazo, to the church. But you have a choice. Decision determines destiny. You can make a choice for ultimate pleasure or you can make a choice for ultimate pain. You know, there's a, there's a truth to, you can see it, you can see it in the book of Acts chapter 2, that people send themselves to hell. And almost at a time it's like, well, you know, God sends people to hell. Well, there's a truth to that too when a person has reached the point of no return. But God is trying to keep that person from hell. He's keeps, you know, he's keep working. He, he he's keeping on drawing them and bringing them to himself. But you can choose heaven or you can choose hell. That is the choice that you have, and only you can make it. 
Now, people have been asking me, why don't you pray the sinner's prayer here anymore? Because a prayer can't save you. You have to make that decision in your heart. You have to make the decision and you have to say to God, God, I'm a sinner. I've sinned against you. I have fallen short of your glory. I need your son. His forgiveness. His grace and what he did for me on the cross. You have to make that decision. And only, only you can make it. Praying, praying a prayer, I think sometimes it's, it's concerned me that people will pray the prayer, they'll come forward, and they disappear and we never see them again. And sometimes even when I run into them, they never were truly saved. They never were truly what the Bible calls born again. That's a decision that you have to make in your heart. And you have that opportunity to make that decision right now. Between you and God. Between you and the Lord. Okay? I love you all. I know it's a hard message, but it's a message that brings life. Eternal life. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, thank you for your word. We thank you, Lord God, for the blessed hope of the harpazo. We thank you, Lord God, that we could be a people, Lord, who don't have to go through this life with sorrow, but we have a hope, Lord God, that is the greatest hope that anybody can have, the hope of eternal life. Lord God, just work in people's hearts right now. Let them just have some time with you, Lord God, as we close this service <clears throat> to get their hearts right with you. To confess their sins to you, to turn away, but to turn to God and to turn to his son, Jesus Christ, and receive his salvation. He loves you more than you could ever know, no matter who you are, no matter what you've done. God loves you and wants to give you eternal life. Amen.